sweet sweet gremlin angel baby children of mine it is so lovely to be here addressing you all on the very first episode of gremlin talk i am your host mac shay smith today i have a whole bunch of topics we are going to be covering who am i first of all who am i addressing you today i'm going to talk a bit about my background in sport in the ultra running, the OCR world, all of that. I'm going to be giving some advice for navigating social media as I have learned in my one year tenure as a actual TikToker. And I'm gonna talk about the importance of embracing being cringe, being a beginner to things, embracing the growth process, all of that. So that's what you have to look forward to on today's episode. Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in. This is the very first episode of Gremlin Talk and I originally wanted to call this podcast probably good for the plot. That's one of my big catchphrases that I tell myself when everything's going wrong. It's good for the plot. Something's going horribly wrong. It's good for the plot. It's character development. This is all important. Teach me something later. I created the Instagram for the pod and I realized it was kind of a long name and also a ton of P sounds, which are not fun to say into a microphone. I texted my ex-boyfriend, Zach, and I said, hey, what what do I do? How do I make a podcast? Will you help me with some things? He suggested I call the podcast Gremlin Talk. If this is your first time listening to any of my content, first of all, interesting choice to come to the pod. Starting new things is not easy. I'm sure this is going to be kind of clunky and cringy and we're just getting through it. You're all brave for being here in the first place, so thank you for listening. It is not uncommon that I get called a gremlin on social media, especially on TikTok. I honestly don't know how it came to fruition. I'm not sure if someone commented it on one TikTok and then it kind of just took off. But honestly, we are at the point where every single one of my TikToks, I'm getting called a gremlin. It's in the comments on all my Instagram posts. It's just an ingrained part of my identity on the internet. So we are fully leaning into this gremlin girl aesthetic. I know I will never be a clean girl aesthetic. I am the girl who's disgusting. I lived in a van for a year. I love to backpack. My actual sport is rolling around in the mud and running up mountains. So we're fully leaning into this gremlin chaotic girl aesthetic. All right. For some time, I thought that being a gremlin was not a good thing. When you say the word gremlin, there is definitely a kind of imagery of like a troll under a bridge. I do want to and body the troll under bridge. Don't get me wrong. The trolls under the bridges have got it figured out. They are harassing travelers. They have riddles. They're doing something right and it's not a bad thing. However, it is definitely a certain aesthetic. I have come to realize that being a gremlin actually is kind of this wild, beautiful thing. And I think being a gremlin means you're fine getting down and dirty. I get called chaotic a lot as well as being a gremlin. And I think that my brand of chaos is actually 
creative good chaos you know in greek mythology when they describe primordial chaos being before everything being created that's kind of my vibe i want the chaos where there's opportunity and there's things that we can lean into i think that being a gremlin and being chaotic is actually a good thing and it's a compliment and if anyone ever calls you those things it means you are probably a beautiful wild entertaining creative mess of a human being and that is perfectly normal and actually makes you very interesting so that's how I'm gonna take it okay okay back to our core topics today first of all it is so lovely to meet you in this long form of content my biggest platform right now is tiktok i have about 130k followers on tiktok short form content like that is really interesting because you're just pumping out such quantity that i feel like viewers don't get to really really know who you are on a deep level so that's what the podcast is going to bridge the gap here i feel like i have a lot of interesting advice and life stories and i love to just talk on the internet so why not come up with another platform, okay? So my name is Max Shea Smith. I am originally from Arizona and I now live in California. I am a full-time process engineer. My undergraduate degree was in chemical engineering. I graduated from the University of Arizona in the spring of 2020. Shout out COVID. Since moving to California, I have picked up many side hustles or hobbies. I was living in the van for a year. I no longer live in the van. I actually have a home at the moment. But in addition to being an engineer, I am a life coach. I have my life coaching certification. I am a avid backpacker. I spend as much time as possible outdoors. It is my happy place. I love to be anywhere outside with no phone service and my thoughts. I am a semi-professional hybrid athlete who kind of specializes in absolutely nothing. For me, that background is ultra marathon running, which is essentially any race longer than a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. Specialize in things a bit longer than that. I also compete in CrossFit. I do all kinds of obstacle course racing, Spartan, Tough Mudder, that kind of thing. And I'm just kind of living in this functional fitness space at the moment. It's really fun and entertaining. But now that the summer's coming up, I've got some big backpacking trips planned. So I'm taking some time off from competition. And I will definitely be talking about why in a future episode. But I would definitely consider myself the work-life balance queen. I frequently get comments asking if I have a job (laughs) because I am kind of traveling all the time and competing and I'm super lucky. I have a flexible job that allows me to do that, but I certainly live my life like I don't have a job and that has been encouraged since day one at my current place of employment. I started my job in August 2020. I've almost been there two years. I used to live in the van. So the first year that I was at my job, I was actually living in a sprinter van and I was very much embracing this Spartan way of living. I was really focused on going elite in obstacle course racing. I was training a couple hours a day. I was working full time. I was just down and dirty with the grindy lifestyle. So I lived in the van until September 2021. I sold the van after my therapist convinced me to. Shout out to Shelly. So Shelly said, it sounds like you could use some stability and you don't have to live in emotional and physical instability. And I was like, 
Shelly, you might be onto something, Slay Queen. So I uh, sold the van and saved a ton of money by living in the van. That has been really nice to have that flexibility. That's pretty much what has led us here. I am currently sitting in my bedroom at my house my friend Tess owns. We're actually selling our house next week and I will be kind of homeless. It's a whole thing. Uh, I can't really talk about it yet, but we're figuring it out as I go. I'm in my bedroom. I'm in a pair of overalls. I still have my badge from work on for some reason. We are ready for the pod. I was kind of low energy coming to this and I'm instantly feeling better. I would love to start by chatting about sport. I am at Mac on the run on TikTok and it has been my running that has kind of blown up on social media. My background with running is I only started running when I was a freshman in college. I actually played volleyball in high school and got recruited to play in college, but I was so burned out by the end of the year that the last thing I wanted to do was commit to another four to five years of volleyball. I ended up attending the University of Arizona. I'm originally from Phoenix. When I lived at Uve, my roommate was a bodybuilder. So I was just completely exposed to this other side of sport that I didn't really get to see when I was in high school playing volleyball. I went to the gym with her a couple times, tried the hypertrophy style training, and absolutely hated it. It was so unstimulating for me. I was not interested in doing 12 reps of something and then resting and then coming back to it. It just, it wasn't for me. So I decided to sign up for a marathon because <laughs> that's, that's most people's normal first reaction to uh, not liking the gym is just, you know, go all in and sign, run, you know, run a freaking marathon. So I went for my first actual training run in December 2016. That was when I officially started running and I ran that first marathon partially injured. So the marathon was, I believe, at the end of April. And while training for that, I ran a half marathon for practice and didn't know I had to recover after that and kind of jumped straight back into moderate hard training and hurt myself pretty badly. But I'm stubborn as hell. So I still ended up running the marathon very much partially injured, very much undertrained. I came away from that marathon, this like terrible experience where I couldn't walk for an entire week after and was totally miserable the whole time. And I was like, wow, it would be so cool to run further than that. And that is when ultra running entered the chat as we may say. I just got completely hooked on running. So that was pretty much what I did full-time uh, in school for training. I just ran on the trails and it became my like happy place activity. It was how I dealt with my anxiety from school and manage all the stress of engineering. I started racing a couple of times a year. I ran, you know, 50k and then I ran a bunch of shorter distance races. I ran a sky race in Flagstaff, got altitude sickness, just kind of ran every distance, everything from like a trail 10k to a 50k while I was in school. I will say I was very hard on myself, so I had very high expectations. I'd always been really athletic and I was not 
fully realistic, I think, about how long it takes to get better at running. I was very hard on myself and I would go to races. If I don't podium or if I'm not top 10 or whatever, then this was not a success. By the time I graduated college in the spring of 2020, I was so burned out on runnings because of COVID. All the races went away, so we were not racing at all. And I moved to Boulder with my ex-boyfriend and I just wasn't interested in running anymore. I I was so burned out on the whole process. That was how I entirely managed my anxiety. I didn't have like good mems at the time. So I decided I want to try something new. And that is when I stepped into a CrossFit gym for the first time. I used to work out at Boulder CrossFit when I was living in Boulder. I immediately felt at home. The CrossFit community is so welcoming. I literally walked in the first day and one of the older members kind up to me and she's like, dude, you are going to be very good at this sport. You are built so much like these really good athletes and I can see you having a lot of potential here. So that was super gratifying that everyone told me that immediately. And granted, I do have an athletic frame and I've always kind of been <laughs> built like this, built different, but my body type is definitely suited for CrossFit. I was doing CrossFit full-time for about six months. So that was June 2020 and I was doing CrossFit full-time until December 2020 and I got a little crazy with the training. I was doing double days. I would go to CrossFit in the morning. I'd go to class and then in the evening I would come back and I would go to Olympic lifting class and I just loved it. I loved the training. I loved being an athlete. I loved how serious everyone took it. I just loved the sport. But in December, someone from the gym mentioned that they signed up for the 50 miler at Bryce Canyon Ultras. And I was talking to her and I was instantly brought back to my ultra running days. At that point, I had only run 150K, but that 50K was so freaking magical. I smiled the entire time and it was amazing. And I said, you know what? I I do really miss being an outdoor athlete. I miss running. I signed up for the Bryce Canyon 60K in May 2021. This was December when I signed up. And I committed to training in CrossFit while training for the ultra. I reached out to my old... Uh, running coach. He very happily took me back. Tyler is a godsend angel man himself. Basically, over the next, you know, five months or so for training for this ultra, I was doing full-time CrossFit, full-time ultra training. So I competed in my first CrossFit Open. I actually ended up qualifying for quarterfinals, which is so wild. Quarterfinals is the top 10% of athletes from the Open. I ended up doing quarterfinals, and then I also had a couple really big backpacking trips come up during training for this ultra. So I did uh, Trans Catalina in April. And then at the end of April, I did a eight, nine day trip in the Grand Canyon. So just like a weird style of training for this ultra. And then I ran the ultra. I came home and I basically decided that I was going to win the Spartan North American Championships. So this is when I stepped more into my functional fitness OCR hybrid athlete space. I ran the 60K, started to train super hard for OCR. Basically what happened is I had qualified for the Spartan North American Championships at my very first Spartan race in February 2020. This was my very first OCR. I hadn't done any strength training for it. I failed 
every grip obstacle. Basically, how I even got interested in OCR in the first place is the summer of 2019. I was living in Austin, Texas, and you you will quickly find out from this podcast. I am literally Mr. Worldwide. So I was living in Austin. I won this Xterra Trail 10K, and I, at the finish line, a man comes up to me and he says, you are so strong. Like, your body type would be perfect for obstacle course racing. Have you ever done obstacle course racing? And I was like, no. What is that? He describes it to me and he says, I coach this athlete who is a top 20 Spartan racer in the US. You would be so good at this. Like, please think about it. So I went home. I signed up for like a smaller OCR in Phoenix and then this Spartan race in Phoenix before the pandemic hit. So I literally had COVID (laughs) during the race. I just didn't realize it. Everyone was sick. I was in college. I mean, God, who didn't have COVID in February 2020? I ran this race, got fifth place in my age group, qualified for the Spartan North American Championships and kind of just like filed it away. You know, I knew if I came back to running, I could do that. Then after this ultra in 2021, I'm like, you know what? I want to go elite in OCR. I want to be a pro. I want to win Norams and I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. Here's the part where I started really overtraining. So (laughs) I was doing double days four times a week. I would go to 6am CrossFit. I would do an additional hour of programming. And then I was also mountain running training in the evening. So I would go to my full-time job. And then after my full-time job, I would go run for an hour to an hour and a half every evening. And uh, I was regularly putting in like 15 plus hours a week into training. Honestly, I loved every moment of it. Every single moment leading up to Norams, I had so much fun training. I was just having such a blast and training really hard, feeling really good. While I was training for this, I started running smaller local OCRs, like obstacle course races, as preparation for Norams. And I started doing pretty well. My first two races, I think I was like, fifth and fourth or so and then I won like the Tough Mudder in LA. I won the Spartan uh, Stadium race in Anaheim. I just I just started winning. I started to really find my confidence in OCR which is everything in the sport and then I show up to Norams ready to run a good mountain race and I end up winning Norams by 11 minutes or so over the next girl in my age group and uh, I promised myself I would move up to elite. After September my coaches were like, okay, are you ready to rest? And I simply was not. I raced, I think every single weekend in October, I ended up running my first elite Spartan race at the Big Bear US National Series race. And let me tell you, running elite is a whole different field than age group. I felt so out of place at that first elite race. I think I was like 20th out of like 25 girls. I failed Olympus. Granted, I didn't taper or anything heading into this race, so I accidentally did a bunch of GHDs in a workout like two days prior, and I had no core. So I failed Olympus for the first time at Big Bear. I think that was the only obstacle I failed. Did I hit my spear? Yeah, I hit my spear because I placed terribly, but I did beat an actual Olympian. I know. I know this is wild. Alicia Montano, Montano, she was running her first Spartan race. She is an 800 meter Olympian. She's amazing and such an all-around athlete. She is so impressive, but I beat her once and (laughs) she would absolutely beat me if she gave it another go, but I, I have some small claim to fame in that. Basically, how I remember this is 
Alicia, we, we were in this final obstacle gauntlet that is like the last half mile of Big Bear. And I actually ended up running a fast AF final obstacle gauntlet. The Strava segment said I was like top 10 among all the elites in this. And I'm like, how is that possible? But okay. I see Alicia. It took her some time. I think she failed the rope climb actually. It was like, I get into this gauntlet. This is where I thrive. Definitely not an elite runner. I'm just decent at obstacles. So I see Alicia right ahead of me and I'm like, okay, dude, I'm, I have to redeem myself here a little bit. Pull up to the spear throw with Alicia. She throws it and like sticks it. I, I, knowing that this is her first Spartan race, I was so incredibly impressed. So she hit her spear and I knew now I had to hit my spear. And I think this would have only been my second time hitting a spear. I think this was my third or fourth Spartan race and literally my second time hitting my spear. So I line up, I visualize it. I get really lucky and I hit my spear because I didn't know how to throw it at that time. And we both take off to the uphill bucket carry and I pass around the bucket carry and I just like don't look back because when you have a 800 meter Olympian behind you (laughs) in the last quarter mile of a race, you kind of have to run your ass off. I somehow beat Alicia. She is a queen. She could beat me in literally anything else, but that is my claim to fame <laughs> at Big Bear. After running every single race that could happen in October, I took off all of November from running completely. I don't think I ran a step. I went to CrossFit a couple times a week, but I was not running. And then in December, I returned to racing. I ran the LA Spartan. I didn't do great. I think I was like ninth or 10th, honestly. It was a small field. I ran 23 miles on the backbone trail for my 23rd birthday. And it was absolutely the time of my life. It was the best day ever. I met a stranger who told me about his childhood trauma on the uphill at mile 15. I don't even remember his name, but we really bonded on that experience for some reason. And then uh, after December, I just started racing functional fitness. So my plan for 2022 was that I would race short course stuff early. So High Rocks is eight kilometers of running, eight workout stations, and it's really freaking hard. And it's about an hour long effort. So I was focusing more on like 10k speed, 10k pace type stuff. There were a couple other big races like Spartan SoCal and then Spartan Slow. I had signed up for a 100 miler in October. So the plan was do all the short course stuff and then kind of ease my way into ultra training. High Rocks comes around at the end of January and this is High Rocks Chicago. So this is the US champs. The field was crazy stacked and I ran an amazing race. I felt so good the entire time. I was happy, just really having a blast. And I ended up placing 12th at the US championships in this like crazy stacked pro field. And I was so completely stoked on that. The next week was Spartan SoCal. I ended up placing second and third in the elite field. So that was the first time I ever won money racing. Woo, $500. (laughs) Half a week work right there. I, yeah, made some money of SoCal and then uh, things got a little out of control. I signed on to this Amazon campaign to run the Boston Marathon in April. I stopped doing CrossFit for a bit there. I had like a weird back injury, but then also I literally got kicked out of my gym, which is a whole story that I will tell another time. Probably gonna get threatened with a lawsuit after this podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then uh, I went to High Rocks, New York City in uh, March. Yeah, March 5th or 4th or so. And I just had a horrible race. So I went out way too hot chasing Callie Schweikart. I blew up after the ski erg. I was so sweaty and just slipping off of the sled. It was a horrible time. I had to have a big mental attitude adjustment during the race, which is really difficult to do without practice. But that's something I have really been focusing on. And I will cover Hyrax New York City in another podcast because it is just littered with content to discuss truly. So that was early March and then I headed into this total gauntlet of racing and training in March and April. After High Rocks New York City, I just wasn't really in the mental headspace to suffer, but I had committed to racing five times after that. I ran Spartan Slow, which is the first North American Elite Series race and it was so fun. It was really hard to get myself there mentally because I just wasn't in the headspace to suffer, but I was excited about seeing all my friends. I was excited to have obstacle practice. Spartan slow happens. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is a good time. And I was originally supposed to race High Rocks Los Angeles in May. May 7th was the High Rocks LA race. And I was supposed to sign up. I'm actually an ambassador for High Rocks. So they give me free races and some merch. I basically help promote the sport and they love me and I love them. And it was really hard for me to make the choice whether or not to race High Rocks because of that, but it just wasn't what I wanted. I wasn't totally invested. I was one foot in, one foot out. In April, I go to pace my friend Alex at the Zion 100K. This was the second, no, that's not true. This was like the fourth travel weekend in a row. I drive my ass nine hours to Zion to run for 20 miles with this man. I was actually really stoked on the road trip within like three hours. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I really needed this alone time to just process my feelings and everything. I was also kind of ending a situationship slash like going through a situationship. I just really needed the alone time. So I pace him at the 100k and we have so much fun. He he remembers it differently, but I, I was running with him and his friend Brad who came with us. I kept saying to them, this is the best day of my entire life. I'm having such a blast. Meanwhile, the two of them are completely silent because they've been running for 40 miles prior to picking me up and I'm like you guys I'm having the best day ever this is amazing it's so fun and they're like what 12 hours into this by the time I get them and they are they're trying Brad was trying to contribute to the conversation Decky was silent and I just realized through that experience how much I truly love these like weird gremlin activities because running elite is hard. It's really challenging uh, mentally and physically to push at that level. After Hyrax New York, my head just wasn't in it for the suffering. I always know I'm ready for a race when I'm stoked to be in pain, which sounds weird, but it's a total distance runner, ultra runner thing. You just get excited about the fire of competition. That's just not where I was after Hyrax. So coming to the 100k, remembering how much I love these weird 
gremlin activities where we're just outdoors for 17 hours and vibing and everyone's sweaty and eating sugar gel that that is where I thrive after I paced him at the 100k I flew to Boston for the Boston Marathon yes I ran a 20 miler the weekend before the Boston Marathon I show up to the marathon and I have the absolute time of my life in Boston I stayed with this girl from Instagram her name's Laura she offered me her sister's bedroom (laughs) in New so I got housed by Laura and her family and had like the best time thank god she wasn't like a total weirdo so I run the Boston Marathon for funsies and had such a blast the content went super viral my agents were excited and then after Boston I flew to Jacksonville where I competed at the GORUCK Games the GORUCK Games were such a unique experience and I definitely was there in the wrong headspace so I ran the Boston Marathon I was like this is for fun I'm just here to like have a good day and then I went to go rock and I was in the same headspace of let's just have fun let's have a good day no the guys at go rock were trying to kill us so the premise of go rock was they invited a bunch of elite functional fitness athletes and just offered us a bunch of prize money and decided to see who showed up they absolutely tried to kill us (laughs) it was crazy my entire body hurt so badly I was convinced I had a stress fracture I was exhausted it wasn't it wasn't a good time because I ran you know an entire marathon five days before but after go rock I come home and high rocks is impending high rocks LA is coming up I ultimately decided that I was going to run Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim instead so Alex and Brad from the 100k were running Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim May 7th and they had previously invited me and I'd said no because of the high rocks and ultimately I end up going to the canyon and having just the time of my life I think it was fun for all of like 8 to 12 miles and then the other what would that be 32 to uh I can't do math what's 50 minus 8 to 12 (laughs) the point is I had a terrible time for most of it but (laughs) it was such a good experience and I really needed to just be in the Grand Canyon for god 17 hours (laughs) it sounds even more ridiculous now Um, But I really, I just needed the experience. And that kind of leads us to where we are now. So Grand Canyon was two and a half weeks ago. I am now back to somewhat of a modified training schedule. I'm training for a 24-hour adventure race that is taking place in Idaho at the end of June. And I'm also getting back into CrossFit. So I'm currently sitting here with a injured spine (laughs) from snatching for the first time in three months because I'm a potato and I don't stretch and I don't recover ever I just keep go go going until I get hurt so I was snatching at CrossFit last week and hurt my SI joint or one of them and now I'm basically immobile but uh this weekend I'm going backpacking I'm getting back to my gremlin outdoor activities and I'm completely stoked on it so that's pretty much my entire background with racing competing training I get lots and lots and lots of questions about running which is fair because I think the running outdoor influencer space isn't totally saturated. There's just a couple of us and honestly not a lot of elites and 
I say the word elite with like a grain of salt, okay? Like there's a very small field. Yes, I'm a decent athlete, but I'm not like the best in the world by any means. I'm just like someone who's kind of good at obstacles and can kind of keep up running. But there's just not a lot of people out there who are so open and willing to share all of their secrets like I am with the internet. So you guys, uh, you kind of struck gold with this one. But that is my background. All of this racing success and experience has come hand in hand with my social media presence, my history with social media. I started my blog when I was 17 and I was a freshman in college. I started a blog after reading one of my friend's sister's blogs that super inspired me. I've always loved to write. I was the kid who was always writing stories and my mom actually let me go to like a writing camp I think when I was in junior high I was obsessed so the blog felt like a very natural way for me to express my feelings and talk about my life in a polished way and I published my first blog post when I was 17 and it was about my life just like going to college like breaking up with my boyfriend and that's a whole story we could talk about on my dating stuff and another pod but basically the blog was where I was allowed to be like super honest and vulnerable and I just didn't really have any fears about posting about my life which is a great primer for being an actual TikToker. I'm in college, I'm starting to run, and in that time, I am admiring a bunch of girls running Instagrams. As with most hobbies, people will make a separate Instagram just to post running content. So I made a running Instagram. You can actually still find it. I wonder if you guys can find it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll let you look for it. But I wanted to be this big runner and I wanted to be more immersed in the community. But I was really just embarrassed about posting running content onto my OG Instagram that I've had since like eighth grade. So I kind of kept all of my running stuff separate from my life Instagram and I actually stopped posting on Instagram from my sophomore year of college until I broke up with my boyfriend after graduation so my life was a little private I had this you know separate running Instagram I didn't want to share things and then uh, senior year rolls around and at the time I'm like TikTok is stupid like I don't get this musically BS what what is this platform I don't get it the pandemic hits and like what else did we have to do but be on TikTok so my senior year I actually made a TikTok that went somewhat viral and it was about my friend's older sister who literally accused me of trying to steal her fiance when I was a freshman and her family was basically sending me like not death threats but like very <laughs> very aggressive dms and stuff like I had to block like her whole family on social media because it was so obviously I was embarrassed but also they were scaring me and so I was so scared to post on tiktok after that and I like to think I'm becoming a better person on tiktok I don't think I would post a tiktok like that ever again but wow that yeah that was an experience so when I moved to California for my job I was living in the van and I have a horrible memory I really wanted to document everything going on because my memory truly just sucks and it was about one year ago today that my first 
TikTok. TikTok went viral. And I say TikTok, TikTok, as in I decided I was going to take it more seriously and document things. And literally the first TikTok I made after deciding that went viral. This TikTok is so embarrassing. And I know if I don't tell you, then you absolute gremlins are going to go dig it up. And that's even more scary. So I think I'm just going to claim the narrative of it myself. So I like don't even want to tell you. Okay, so the sound was, you know, the like astronaut in the ocean sound. And I had originally seen someone else do it. They were like flexing. And um, I was like, I'm going to recreate this TikTok. I recreated the TikTok. It went super viral. Uh, a bunch of people started following me. Rob Gronkowski's brother commented on it. it. It just went way more viral than I was expecting. So, I started taking TikTok seriously. I did what I call weaponizing the algorithm because basically the way the TikTok algorithm works is you have to be posting a large quantity of TikToks a day in order for TikTok to promote your content. So I was actually posting at least six times a day every day for the last year I would say it's only been the last couple months that I've slowed down a bit but I was dedicating hours to this project I was posting a ton I was documenting everything I was responding to comments my dms were blowing up and my platform started growing just pretty quickly I hit 20k followers by the end of June and then it's it's kind of ebbed and flowed in the last year and I know some people whose platforms have grown way faster but mine I'm, I'm happy with the pace of mine I think I've grown like a genuine audience I feel cared for and I feel an actual connection to my audience so I'm managing it the best I can at the moment and I only started making money off of social media in December 2021 so basically December 1st second or third somewhere some really early time in December I joined the TikTok creator fund and I also monetized my Instagram with IG reels that was a big thing the IG reels bonus campaign which I did not take advantage of enough because I thought reels were cringy and I fumbled the bag and I apologized for it and then I did the Amazon campaign in March that was my or April that was my first time doing an actual brand deal and I was blown away by how much money they offer you versus you know the creator funds like you can have one cent per 100,000 views like TikTok does not care about its creators I could talk about this all day whatever and that leads us to now where I have two agents handling all of my contracts and this has been a game changer for me because I truly just did not know my worth as a creator and I highly highly recommend that if you have any interest in making content for brands or if you've been reached out to by a brand you can hit me up and I will answer your dms because I'm so pro women knowing their worth as creators especially the influencer space we can get taken for granted or taken advantage of by these big brands so I'm always available to answer questions about campaigns and things but so I handled all of one campaign on my own before I got agents and I just like totally fumbled the bag they emailed me and said what's your rate for one TikTok and me I think I had a hundred thousand dollars at the time I reach out to one of my influencer friends and I kind of just get an idea of what people are paying for 
a TikTok. And I say, I'm going to go big. I'm going to tell them it's $1,000. So I email them and I say, it is $1,000 for one TikTok. And they responded within like 10 minutes and said that was fine. Dude, I, tears. I honestly have tears just thinking about it. I, I fumbled the bag. I could have asked for way more. Rip truly. So that is why I now have agents so that I just don't get completely railed by Amazon. For a while, I didn't feel good about accepting money from these big brands for content because I know whatever they're paying me, they are making way more of. (laughs) And I had a conversation with my mom about it and she said that the way to think about this is these big brands are giving money back to the people by paying influencers and small creators. This is Jeff Bezos' way of providing for the people. And I took that and I ran with it. That is how I achieved some semblance of acceptance with the influencer market. I will say it helps having a niche. It helps being a runner, running shoe companies, love that. And I think if you're going to make money off social media, you do need some kind of weird niche. And for me, that has happened to be the thing that gives me the most joy in life. So thank you running. I will also say that being paid for content is absolutely terrifying. When content is being made for free, you kind of just post whatever you want and it can be goofy and stupid and just for funsies. But then when a brand is telling you that they are paying you, you know, a couple grand for a TikTok, it it totally gets in my head sometimes. And I have to remind myself that it doesn't have to be perfect and my individual style of creating content is okay. Being on social media, period, is terrifying. So, being paid for the content scary, but just being on social media can be terrifying. I don't have nearly as many qualms as I should about posting about my life on social media. And I think that anybody who has the courage to post and let others see your work and your art on the internet is just brave. <laughs> we are all just expressing ourselves as best as we can. We're putting it out in the internet for criticism and that is terrifying. Even I, who has spent so much time creating authentic content and I'm fairly comfortable just posting about anything, for me, posting on Instagram is scary because especially when I first started my TikTok, which was essentially anonymous. I didn't advertise it anywhere. I didn't want people thinking I wanted to be famous or be an influencer or anything. And my Instagram was basically people I knew from high school and college, and that was so scary. So every time I'd post on Instagram, my first thought essentially was, oh no, someone from high school is going to see this and incredibly judge me. And I basically came around to realizing that it doesn't matter. First of all, I don't even live in my hometown. I live in California now. I don't even see people from high school on a regular basis, so it doesn't matter. If anyone doesn't like my content, they will just unfollow. It's not the end of the world to have people unfollow you. We have this big fear of posting on social media thinking, just projecting what others' perspectives is going to be of our content. 
it's something even I have had to work through. And I get embarrassed even now when people ask what I do and I have to say I'm a TikToker. I never start with the influencer content creator thing. I always start, oh, you know, I'm an engineer and I I do some sports, you know, and then if they get around to it, I'll be like, ah, and also, you know, it's TikTok, whatever. It's just, I, I fear that feeling of being ridiculed, I guess. Like, it can be so silly, especially if someone doesn't understand, but I've been growing more into my identity as a content creator. It's been a really powerful process for me to learn how to be so authentic on the internet. So, we have to let go of this fear of the unseen opinions, and frankly, I think a lot of people are scared of being cringe. And I will say to that, it is better to look back on your content and feel like you were cringe than it is to look back and think that you did everything right from the get-go. Because if that is genuinely how you feel, then you are not learning or getting better or growing. And this applies to all things. This doesn't just apply to posting your entire life on the internet. But you have to embrace the process of getting better. You have to do in order to grow. You can plan and plan and plan. But eventually, you have to let go of the planning phase and move into the actually doing phase. My first TikToks literally sucked. Like, they actually sucked. I was basically shitposting on the internet. And the only way I learned to understand the algorithm and create good content was by doing and initially just accepting the fact that I was being cringe. And people can be so brutal with their comments, especially on a platform like TikTok. It is the widest part of the internet. There are so many people on TikTok and your content gets sent just all across the algorithm to the weirdest audiences. And the anonymity of TikTok, because truly not that many people actually make content compared to how many just consume it, fighting anonymous trolls is the scariest part of being on the internet. In fact, I, I, I don't even do it anymore. I do not engage with negative commentary. I have found that engaging with the hate comments and the negative commentary actually just pushes your content to a scary place. <laughs> if someone is commenting on your TikTok, I hate you and you suck, First of all, that person is wildly unhappy with their life because where I'm at in my life, I feel so happy and content and I would never comment on another person's content saying the horrible things that some people have said to me. So that's how I have learned to adjust my expectations with comments is remind myself that no secure person would comment anything so terrible and also these people just want interaction they they really just want your engagement with their commentary and they want to fight on the internet and that's not what we are going to do as the girl bosses on this internet that we are i kind of lost my grammar there and it, again pushes your content to the wrong side of tiktok if you are going to interact with people who comment terrible things on your tiktoks it is going to be pushed to people 
people in that similar niche of commenting terrible things. Like the internet trolls, they have their own side of TikTok. You don't want to go over there. You want to interact as little as possible and let them find another victim. And something that has been so highly entertaining for me is that at the moment, I'm not getting a lot of hate comments. Like somehow my content has escaped that side of the internet and most of my comments are people who follow me or who enjoy running or girls like my audience is 80% women shout out to the girls this podcast is for the girls and if there are any guys or men listening you are also appreciated that's not to say I don't appreciate the guys who follow me but a sign that you're doing something right is having 80% women following you and uh, that being said when I do get negative comments on my TikToks or my Instagram posts, people, my followers are actually fighting these people for me. It's insane. I I will see a comment sometimes and just know that my little army of aggressive girls and women is going to just shred them to tears. So... I have definitely enjoyed the process of watching my own social media presence grow into this positive space where we all just love each other. We all talk about running. We all support each other. The more secure and confident I get as a human being carries over, I think, to all of my interactions, uh, not just on the internet, but with my friends and relationships. And as I learn and grow and embrace this more positive mindset and become more secure in myself, there's just a lot more room for love. There is much more space for leading my life with love. And that's and everything. I think I end most of my TikToks with an I love you to my audience because I really do mean it. I love you. I love you all. Uh, I'm the girl who gets drunk when they go out and I tell strangers that I love them. I regularly text like five boys that I love them. I called this guy from Hinge one time. It was my very first time speaking to him and I was drunk at a bar on St. Patrick's Day and I ended the call with this didn't work out the way I thought it would. I can't really hear you. I'm gonna go. I love you. Bye. And I hung up and I didn't remember that until we actually went on a date and he told me that. So I think there's nothing wrong with being a lover and not a fighter. This wasn't in my outline whatsoever. I just felt like I should include it at this, uh, you know, these last couple minutes of the pod. I would like to conclude that when you let go of being cringe and don't interact with hate comments, you genuinely build an audience who cares about you. You build a more authentic audience. And I think that everyone feels an innate desire to create and be seen and social media is a great place for that. So someone out there is going to find your unique voice relatable and they are going to feel validated by it. It could be easy to look at other creators and think, what makes me different than these people? What makes me different than this girl who's also in the fitness space? And I guarantee you that your unique voice is going to create and resonate differently than theirs. So there's plenty of room at the top. I say this all the time. There's plenty of room at the top. We can all succeed. So gotta let go of that fear of being cringe and you have to embrace the process of creating and sometimes the cringy tiktoks are the funny ones those are the ones i look back and i just giggle at so this applies to all things not just social media i look back at some other projects i've started i look back at my first marathon and i cringe so hard i will definitely post 
a picture from my first marathon in on the Instagram for this page or for this pod. I, first of all, was carrying an actual plastic water bottle, like a Kirkland water bottle, like 16 ounce bottle, because it didn't occur to me until I showed up to the start line that I might need to carry water. I had an Apple watch. I didn't even have a Garmin yet. I was using a cute little Apple watch. I had KT tape on like both ankles because I was, remember, partially injured. I didn't know how to fuel. I hit the wall so freaking hard at mile 20. I was miserable. I thought I was going to die. I've never felt like that (laughs) ever again. And that's certainly the learning process of running. I was just cringy. I was cringy. I see the pics and they make me laugh. And that is totally fine. So, I hope that if there's anything you can take away from this podcast, being cringe is taking the first step of the process. Showing up every day to create is hard. This is not an easy job. I assumed that influencers had it so easy. They just had to look hot and go to events and people paid them to be pretty. No, no, it's not true. I mean, maybe some influencers are. I feel like I'm grinding every day on my content. I feel that I am working a full-time job on top of my full-time job and I love it. And even though it's messy and it's difficult and I make mistakes, it is so rewarding to buy into this process. And we should all learn to embrace the process a little bit more. The results, the followers, the money, it's not nearly as important as the lessons that I am learning through this whole process. And I think that's just a general rule for everything. Again, running. Dude, running my first marathon versus two and a half weeks ago, running Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim, I'm not even the same person that I was. And it's so beautiful that I have these landmarks, like these major milestones to track my growth with and I think that's why I love running I love being outside I love I love my daily run that is my only time of day where I get to just sit and think well not really sit run stand with my feelings and not be distracted by my phone or my friends or work or anything when you embrace the process of running you can become a lot better of a runner and I'm not really sure how I tied that all together back to running I promise I will not be talking about running this much this was a long running pod I would rather this be about my life lessons and I've I've got some pretty good stories and I have so many topics to discuss. Oh my gosh. When I initially started thinking about the podcast, I thought, wow, I have nothing to speak about. And then it took all of five minutes to begin a list that now has 30 ideas. So there's so much more content coming and this will be released on Wednesdays. I like the Wednesday pod. You can listen to it on your hill workout. Thanks for listening to this first episode episode. I love you. I hope it didn't scare you off. I hope you enjoyed learning a bit about my story. You learned something from my journey to running elite, which is completely terrifying and so awesome, and learned how to not be scared off by social media because we can all make the world a better place 
by sharing our unique, authentic voices. And I look forward to hearing yours. Where you can find me, you can follow me on TikTok as Mac on the run, M-A-K on the run. I used to be Mac in the Sprinter, R.I.P. to the Sprinter van. It is now owned by a very lovely man named Andrew. I call him Vandrew. You can also find me on Instagram or YouTube as Mac Shea Smith. That's M-A-K-S-H-E-A Smith. Thank you, honestly, for allowing me to create this space to just self-reflect a bit. I love this moment of gentle self-reflection that we now get to share. And I am so excited to do a deep dive on some other topics. I have so many ideas and so much joy and creativity to be shared. I'm stoked. So please, if you enjoyed this podcast, like it, subscribe to it, share it with your friends, send it to your hottest, coolest, grimiest friend. Uh, Send it to your mom. Tell your mom I love her. um, And leave a review. I don't quite know this algorithm yet, but I do know that leaving a review is an important part of that. So please leave a review. Tell me your thoughts. Give me some feedback. Send me a DM. Tell me about your next race. Anything. And lastly, you can follow the podcast Instagram Gremlin Talk Pod for some more Grammy content. I have so many memes and things I'm going to be posting on that page. And I'm so stoked that we all get to share this little gremlin space. So I hope that this weekend you go out, maybe you go backpacking, maybe you just go for a little hike, maybe you go for a little stroll in your park and just breathe and enjoy the outdoor space. Let yourself feel a bit of that inner wildness, okay? So I love, 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 love you. I hope you have an amazing day and thanks for listening to the pod. I will see you next Wednesday. Bye.